Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. For today, we've got Kylie Montero, who is a customer community manager for Flowcast. Uh, so Kylie, awesome to see you and appreciate you being here. Yeah, great to see you, Jeff. Um, you mentioned something. So I always like to tr- start off with a couple of fun questions, um, you know, off the cuff. You mentioned that you got to do a fun event recently and uh, it was around coffee tasting for your audience. Uh, So I'm curious, what ended up being like your favorite coffee that you tasted or was there like anything you kind of picked up in terms of like the notes of coffee that you liked or anything? I don't know, anything new that you kind of uh, got out of that that experience in terms of your own taste? Yeah, I learned a lot. I really, I drink espresso every day, but that's pretty much it. I'm not like a coffee connoisseur. So I learned about all the different tasting notes and really similar to like beer and wine that there was so many different uh, types of flavors that you could have in your coffee. Um, so I ended up liking the fruitier ones, which uh, isn't a surprise because I'm a sweets person. So but it was really cool to figure out like how to smell it right and how to taste it and like all the different things that can go into it. I love it. And you actually, um, you you were already backing into my other question that I like to ask people, which is what's, what is your favorite fruit? Um, it's a, again, off the wall question, but I always like people's answers. And I've actually generally found, uh, people to have differing answers each time. There hasn't been too many that have been overlapped. So what would you say your favorite fruit is? I have to go blueberry, blueberry. Okay. Blueberry or lemon. Ooh. Okay. Kind of citrus as a fruit. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, I've, yeah, we've been hearing a lot. I heard mango recently. We had, um, we had somebody also talk about, um, star fruit, I think star fruit. Oh. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I think that was one. Um, but yeah, so it's always fun and, uh, blueberry isn't as often said I'm a big, um, strawberry and mango person. I'm actually going to make for dinner tonight. I'm going to make my wife, um, some mango, sal- mango salsa, uh, to go with some chicken and some rice. And so I'm looking forward to, to doing that. Get a little Sounds fruit delicious. dinner. Yeah. I'm looking forward to I it. made a pineapple salsa, a spicy one with jalapeno the other night. So I'm Ooh. there with you. Yeah. That'd be right up my alley too. Do you have to, so you cut up the entire pineapple to make in like, put it in as like chunks or how do, do you have to make it like really small? How'd you do that? Yeah. I, I had to cut the whole watermelon. I saved half for just like snacks and, or sorry, pineapple. I saved half for snacks and then I had to like dice it up. I mean, I guess you could get canned, but uh, I figured we just go, <laughs> gotta go the, the real, yeah, gotta go the real thing. I like it. Uh, we could turn this into a food podcast very easily. Um, <laughs> and one day we might, but we're not here to that. talk about fruits. We're here to talk about uh, customer success and community and um, excited to talk today just because I, I think you've got a unique perspective. Uh, we were talking a little bit about this, right? That um, where you sit in the organization, just in terms of your, of, of kind of the customer community manager and, and owning that community, you actually sit in the customer department or customer success team. Uh, so curious, talk, talk a little bit about um, how that maybe has differed from what you've seen, how you've liked it, but what, what have you noticed as being part of that customer organization? Yeah, I think um, when I first joined the customer advocacy and community world, people mostly sat in marketing. Almost everyone I worked with sat in marketing. I was a CSM for a company who worked with customer advocate, advocate marketers and everyone was pretty much in marketing. And I think over the past five, six years, we've started to see more people sitting in customer success. And when I joined Flowcast, that was a big reason why I wanted to join because community was in their customer success team. And I find that customer success professionals are so used to creating relationships. Like that is their goal to create relationships and make their customers successful. So I think it's a really great opportunity to sit in CS for our community. 
Yeah, that's um, I think we've started to see that transition as well. I think maybe the other thing that's precipitated that as well is the fact that um, the experience that I think is, is starting to happen in customer success is that you're having to think about digital programs and ways to engage just beyond kind of um, phone calls and, and kind of one to one connections. Right. You're trying to we're trying to give our customers different ways to engage with us. And so I also think that that's where you're starting to see, hey, community makes a lot of sense to kind of pull into customer success because it provides a different experience for customers. And like you said, it's still rooted in the fact that we're trying to help make them successful or trying to connect them with their peers. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, it's all about how can we, how we can develop relationships. And that's not only with our staff and our teams, but it's with their peers, which I think also makes a really deep connection with your product. Well, yeah, and I've definitely seen that. You know, all the, every company is looking to scale their customer success team, and I think community is such a natural extension of that. Right, you can engage your customers at scale, and then your CSMs can take their time to focus on the real strategic initiatives that they need to spend the time on, not like best practice calls and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Is there? Um, we obviously, I think. Well. I would argue that it fits in customer success and it should should be all the time. But is there a is there a downside maybe that you've seen? Is there, um, you know, like uh, do you miss some of the things that you were getting on marketing teams, um, you know, or is it maybe a little harder to you know to gain access uh, and to get some of those relationships, especially now that we're virtual? I would imagine it might be a little bit harder um, because maybe you're in meetings with your customer success team every day. You know, you don't you know what everybody's working on. You know. Uh, you know, like customers and relationships and all this stuff. But, you know, is there anything that you feel like you might be missing um, that might just be for somebody to think about um, as they might make this transition as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, customer success teams are typically super busy. You know, I've been a CSM. I know putting out fires and working on upsells and renewals. I've been there. I get it. So I think you need to really have a dedicated person to be owning that um, and then work really closely with the rest of your customer success teams. Otherwise, just putting it all on your CSMs is, you know, gets to be a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, the one thing I would say about, you know, sitting in marketing and running a program like this is you have access to all the content and you know all the plans for the upcoming content. So for me, I think it's actually been an advantage to start during uh, the remote time because everyone's been remote. I've been on you know level playing field and I can kind of just schedule time to, to talk with them and, and figure out what up content is upcoming and what campaigns and strategies are they working on and kind of tie that into my program. Yeah, yeah, I think that that um, that's where I was thinking maybe that there would be um, you know, that's maybe what you'd be missing from the, I think the other thing maybe that just naturally comes to mind as well is that you, I would think in marketing, you probably have um, maybe easier access to, um, to quick, quick hit turnarounds on maybe things like graphics or kind of the design elements that you might want or need. Um, whereas I think if you probably sit in the CS team, you might have to um, you know, you think about a little bit more about the planning of those things that might have to be out a couple of weeks. That might be another thing, but the content angle, I think is so big. Like that's the, it's almost like content first, um, in your mind, right. I think where like community makes sense, right. You you've kind of naturally got these discussions that are happening, hopefully between peers, between your teams. So there's discussion threads and everything. But, um, I do think that 
if people are thinking about how to leverage community the most, the content becomes kind of like the number one thing to think through because um, it can kind of flow in both directions. Like I think you can really, as the community leader, you can be helping your marketing teams with, hey, what are people talking about in the community? What are the hot topics? What are, where do we need, you know, where do we have gaps in content potentially? And then vice versa, right? Your marketing team is probably listening to the market. They're look, listening to what's happening in the sales pipeline. They're saying, hey, these are things that, you know, they care about of this natural um, intersection of, okay, what, what topics really matter and what should we be developing content around? Um, what, what are other ways are you thinking about just leveraging content in your communities? Um, you know, how have you thought about maybe programs that you've developed for, for those? Yeah, I think for me, it's really important to have different format in different ways. So, um, you know, discussion threads are great and you can have that discussion, but I want to find ways for different audience members to engage. So we do polling functionality. I think creating quick videos is something we're planning to work on next for education and best practices, because sometimes you just don't really want to read a blog post. You just want to watch a quick two minute video, hear the tip and and move on. So I think things like that have been really helpful for us. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, I always think about, I, I came from a marketing uh, role in my previous careers, um, as well. And so I always think about that a lot. Like, how can you leverage an asset in multiple ways? You know, how can you cut uh, a blog and then turn that into a video, a quick hit video, or, um, you know, how can you take a discussion thread and then take the, take the answers or the responses? How can you consolidate those and get them to kind of help you guest write a blog, so to speak, and turn that. So, yeah, I always think about, um, I feel like really good community leaders are always thinking about that. How am I taking one piece of content and making it into three or four, or how am I taking a topic and, and moving it into an event where we can record something and it becomes kind of a webinar style or something like that. But I think that is where I think you're naturally going to start to see maybe customer success teams evolve as well as that, um, you know, you want, you want your teams to be thinking, how am I creating multiple pieces of content so that we get the biggest bang for our buck? Uh, and then also, I think t- you hit on something too, right? A lot of people want to consume things in different ways. I very much am probably the last person in the world that's ever going to go read a help article or like a really long blog. Like if it's longer than like three or four paragraphs, <laughs> I'm probably not going to go read it. So to your point, like if there's quick hit videos or if there's short discussion posts that you've done, like that's probably more my speed and that's where I'm going to get a lot of value. But um you know, when you think about community, you have to think about how there's so many different people coming and you might plan for one persona, but really it's probably naturally going to expand to two or three types of, of people that are coming in and engaging, um, which is always a challenge to think about. How do you, how do you plan for that? Yeah. And I just really quick, I think you had a great point about, you know, repurposing content and that's what I like to do. I'm, I'm not a professional content writer. Like that isn't my background. So I love to take whatever our marketing team does and, and take snippets out or, you know, take part of it and, and link out to it in the community. So we're having that content in multiple formats and then we can make announcements linking to other content. So I think just having that mindset of using what's already there and then putting your own creative spin on it for community is really important. Yeah. How, um, just cause you maybe really fun to talk about that for a minute. So you just mentioned kind of, uh, I guess is one way that you thought about that is you are taking kind of snippets and, and putting that into, um, like a discussion thread or like a blog, and then you're kind of linking it back to the original article. Is that how you've, you've done some of that before? Yeah. So for example, if we have a feature product release, I'll typically, read through the blog that our team did, take out a couple key snippets so that people can get the point of what I'm trying to say really, really quickly. Like you, you don't want to read the whole blog, maybe, <laughs> yeah. but maybe some people do. So we link back out to that blog that the team wrote so they can get some more information and then you know provide them with next steps, whether it's to talk to their CSM or watch a webinar, et cetera. 
Awesome. Yeah. That's such a good way. Um, we're also starting to think about, uh, at least in our customer community, um, hug for our higher logic, um, customers, we're starting to think about, um, creating different styles of events as well, just because I think everyone, um, I think we've all, you know, gotten zoom fatigue clearly over the last year, but then I also think, um, that your kind of standard webinar is, is also, um, you know, it's just becoming few and far between. I, I, I tend to think, you know, how do you engage the audience a little bit more? So we're kind of thinking about, um, do we introduce coffee chats? Do we introduce, um, you know, different kinds of, uh, event interactions, essentially, um, like we were thinking about a build with us series, which is much more of a workshop kind of closed room style, uh, where you're kind of building something like we're going in and building something in the platform and we're doing it together. And it's kind of an extension of training, but it's, um, you know, again, it's kind of peer driven, it's peer led. You might have somebody who's done it, who's done it before, who's actually leading alongside of one of your team members. Um, so I don't know if you've thought about events and, and kind of figuring out maybe ways to engage audiences in different ways, kind of beyond webinars or not, but that's just something that we've thought a lot about recently. Yeah, so we have been thinking about that recently, and we just launched our first uh, community event after our launch party, and we're planning to do them monthly for our community. So the things that our audience, their accountants, and the things that they said were most important were networking, discussing more industry best practices. Um, So we set up a networking session for 30 minutes, and then we did a coffee tasting for an hour after that led by a pro. So our, our audience loves networking, but they also really told us that they love coffee. So it was a perfect event and people really enjoyed getting to know their peers in a small group setting versus, you know, hundreds of people on one call. Um, so that's, that was a really good one. And we're planning to do um, a virtual escape the room next month. And oh, cool. another, yeah, we're really excited about it. And another thing we I did in a past role was had uh, round tables. So we'd have one topic that was key to our audience and we would have a discussion about that. And it was kind of just come and, and bring your questions and bring your experience and your wins to share with the group. And they were really successful. People loved hearing what other practitioners were doing. And they found that that was like the most valuable. Always great to ask your CSM, but even better if you can hear from someone who's actually in there doing that day to day. Yeah. Yeah. I love some of those examples too. Like the idea of doing the round table. Cause I also think that could turn into a really nice white paper or blog because you've got, like you said, you've kind of got maybe a really deep topic where people are going and saying, Oh my gosh, I've done, you know, X, Y, and Z. And you can kind of, you know, uh, collapse that into some sort of um, nice piece that you get to promote them you get to promote their company. Um, that kind of thing. We've, we've been doing um, uh, we have a, marketing automation solution uh, as part of our kind of product suite. And so we've been doing office hours on Thursdays, we call it Hug Connect, but it's all about peer driven insights. So it's kind of like, hey, we're there to facilitate the conversation. Oh, we're, I, I always like to joke, like we're there to open up the Zoom. And then yeah. it's like, okay, um, you know, it's not a total free for all, but then we kind of think about, okay, how, how do we facilitate a discussion around a key topic? But really, our goal in that situation is to talk as little as possible on that call. Like we really just want peers sharing with each other because, you know, they're in it day to day, figuring things out for themselves and finding creative solutions and thinking about how to go convince their teams to do all these things. So the more that they can talk and connect to another, another, like it, we kind of get the indirect benefit of that, right? They're like, Oh, higher logic connected us. You know, that's great. But um, we don't have to be in the room talking about ourselves or talking about our product as much as we really think, I think is at the end of the day, what we're, we've noticed about those hug, hug connect events. That's awesome. And when I did my round tables, which sound like they were very similar to yours, my sales team loved to sit in, right? They would just sit in off camera, be a fly on the wall. And they're like, I'm just hearing all these amazing stories. Like this is so valuable for me. 
Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, we've we've had some salespeople do the same thing, and um, and also like it just gets people into an environment where they feel a lot more. I think sometimes you know customers might get they might get a little gun shy when you start asking specific questions about um, what they've done, you know, because they tend to think that it's not novel. It's not really that. I think a lot of times people just downplay their accomplishments. Right. So you're kind of like, Oh my gosh, you did this amazing thing. We should talk about it on a podcast or we should go, you know, do a white paper together or do something, do a case study, whatever it might be. And sometimes they're a little gun shy. Cause it's like, well, I have to go get approval for all those things. And, you know, uh, I don't even really think it's that great. You know um, I think other people are doing this, but then if you get them in that type of setting, it's like almost like the first I almost see it as like a first step of advocacy because you're you're getting them comfortable talking amongst their peers and saying, oh my gosh, yeah, we just did this. We saw some good good results. And I feel like that's kind of starts that movement of like, hey, uh, it's a small win, but we're kind of building a little bit of momentum with that person as long as they're sharing in that type of environment where they're starting to feel more comfortable. Um, they're realizing, you know, that they're they're doing something that might be really great or innovative and that they, they start to feel more comfortable that over time, I feel like then you can start to soften them up a little bit more to say, Hey, I've heard you talk about this on our hug connect calls with, with your peers. Like, could we do a specific webinar where you go deep on this with, with slides and we kind of, you know, spotlight just you, or then, you know, is it a, a case study? Do you help do reference calls? But it's like, you've got to kind of find that, uh, that funnel to bring people down and, you know, that journey where you're building the relationship and not just outright saying, Hey, you did something great. You want to come do a reference call? Like it just, I, there's got to be so much more building alongside of it. Yeah. And what a great way to build that customer's confidence and all the success that they're seeing, right? If they are like, oh, I'm a little nervous. I don't know if this is really a big deal, but they share it in that group setting. And someone says, oh, I love that idea. I'm going to implement that. Just builds their confidence and, and shows them that they are actually creating a lot of value. Yeah. You, um, you kind of mentioned you know, that you right now are working with accountants and that it's, um, you know, a little different audience than you're used to. And that they're, you know, it seems like, you know, that the accountants of the world haven't really had communities to belong to before. Um, so I'm curious, how has that changed? Have you had to change a lot of your, um, your thinking about communities? Have you had to approach it maybe differently in terms of how you drive engagement or how you think about opening them up? Like what's the, what's kind of been your initial experience and how you've tried to do that? Yeah, it's definitely been a big learning curve for me. I used to work with customer marketers and CS folks, and they were totally aware of, of community and advocacy and, and how to engage in a, in a space like that. Now working with accountants, so our end users are like staff accountants and managers, and then we also have a lot of controllers and CFOs who are very busy. So I think the couple biggest things I've learned is that for this audience, our, we actually have a lot more executives in our community than I have had in previous roles, typically super tough to engage, but I find the controllers are really earning for that connection with their peers and there aren't a lot of places to get it. Um, so unless they know a lot of folks in the industry, like there aren't really accounting communities. So that's been a big win for us to be able to have, I think we have the people on our call yesterday where we did our coffee masterclass were directors and controllers. So really great to see that. Uh, but they do engage differently. They're very uh, busy, obviously, you know, tax season and all of that. So they're a very busy audience. We have to find ways to engage them quickly, um, but also sometimes just understanding that they're going to come in and read and they might be more introverted. So they might not necessarily reply. So we've been working on building that confidence in people to feel comfortable responding to folks in the community. And we started to see a lot more people 
posting their own organic questions out to the community and customers answering each other's questions. So I think it's just taken some time to kind of build that understanding of what community is and why you would participate. And now they're really starting to see the value. Yeah, that's great. It really becomes too, I feel like um, the nice part, hopefully as you build this over time is that um, you get to go talk with your sales team and, and tell them that this is a benefit that people can start to see as a tangible extension of the product or of the platform, right? It's kind of like um, customer success managers become an extension of the product in a way that, you know, we describe, hey, you you get access to a CSM. You This is kind of what they're going to do for you. This is how you think about the the next steps that when you become a, a customer, uh, and this really is another natural way to do that, where you say, hey, we're, we're not here just to enable you on the platform. We're not here just to enable your success with a CSM, but like, hey, you have access to all of the peers who are using the same, you know, same software that you are. They're going through similar challenges. They're kind of talking about the same things. And like that, I think it also, again, becomes a tangible benefit of like, hey, why are you going to pay for this solution? It's like we can bring the audience to the table to help you um, solve challenges, not just our team who, who has great expertise, but also like peers in your industry who, you know, have similar, uh, who have similar professional um, requirements as you, they have similar accreditations and they have similar, you know, backgrounds and things like that. Like that all becomes such a tangible benefit for them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what our sales team is starting to do because uh, accountants need to have a certain certification, their CPA, and they have to do continuing education courses. And we provide them free uh, in the community and from our website. And so that's a huge value that all of them are just listed right there and they can, you know, make sure they keep up on that certification. And we also have a job board in our community. So that's a big push for our sales team to be like, all right, I know you're hiring. So, you know, sign on with Flowcast. We can post your job in the job board and you have access to all these really qualified candidates. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Again, kind of, um, you're starting to be small things, but the community can start to tack, to tack on kind of programs that also just start to take a life of its own as well. Like I've seen how mentorship programs become a part of this. Um, I've also seen how, um, I guess we've seen also how boards can kind of, um, or they can create some boards of communities that help develop assets that people can use as well. They kind of have like a content creation type of, of uh, mentality. So I feel like there's like so many different angles that you can take. I'm curious too, did you, when you started to go launch the community, did you start with kind of a, a small, passionate kind of MVP style group that you kind of found ahead of time? Or did you just kind of go out yourself and start curating some of the relationships that you know you needed with some of the, the key kind of stakeholders from customers? Like, how did you kind of initially get over that hump of, of launching it and, and kind of making it available to customers? Yeah. So when I joined Flowcast, we were also just, you know, purchasing our community platform and launching the community. So there wasn't a ton of time to make a bunch of really strong relationships, but I was able to connect with our CSMs, figure out who might be the most interested in joining the community. And we did start with a beta test, about a hundred users that we thought would be the most engaged. And some of them are still our top users today. And then in addition to that, we wanted to do an invitation campaign talking about how accountants are more than just their jobs. You know, they have a stereotype of being boring and quiet. We wanted to show the fun side of them, who they are outside of work. So I actually emailed all of our customers asking about their favorite hobbies and how we could include them in the community. So we invited some of those folks as well. And we have, you know, people who wakeboard and downhill mountain biking and all kinds of really great uh, things that you wouldn't think an accountant did. So it was nice to kind of work with them to break that stereotype a little bit. That's cool. Did you let them, um, does that become a part of their profiles going forward? Like some of those, 
uh, like hobbies and interests? Did you like ask them to include that kind of stuff? Or have you tried to figure out ways to kind of pull that out and some of the uh, threads or conversations that they're having? Yeah. So a lot of that we're pulling out in the threads that they're having. I have a, a master doc, our member insights doc, where I take all the fun facts and learning about our customers and our members and add them to that. And it's really nice because our CSMs have access to that. So they can, you know, before a call, they can be like, all right, she loves, you know, karate. Like, let me make sure I mention that on the call. Um, cool. And it's also great for them if they want to send their customer a gift, they can go check up the fun facts about them and send them something really personalized uh, from information they've shared with us in the community. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's such a cool way. I and I, I think too, that's one of the the things that we've learned over the years, um, especially about building communities is that I feel like communities become really successful when you can over time, when you can continue to, um, connect them in connect smaller groups of people in, in multiple ways, right? If I have a connection to a group of people in a community because um, we both love to go play golf, and then I also have connection to other people in that community because um, I'm, you know, I love CS and customer success. Uh, I love onboarding journeys and I love to do that, right? But the more you can create these small group connections and these kind of tighter relationships, I feel like that's where you're starting to see um, how that can help span kind of somebody staying involved and engaged in the community is that it's not kind of single threaded. It's almost like a, when you think about a CSM, right? We've always said you need to get high and wide in the organization. You need to be multi-threaded in terms of relationships. And that I think that similar trait kind of holds true when you start thinking about communities. Um, I'm curious if, if that's something that you've noticed as well, that you're trying to, ultimately, I guess you're trying to create these tight knit relationships where you're connecting specific people because they, once they have that bond, then hopefully it just continues to flourish over time. Yeah, we've got, we have started to see that. Um, we have a pet pictures thread in our community, just like in our fun section. And like we were talking about dogs earlier, our customers are super passionate about their pets. And so it's been really nice to see them just like connect on a personal level. And, you know, it's great to connect on a business level and an industry level, but just have like those personal connections, I think is really exciting. And then from there, we were even able to see, all right, we have a lot of customers with dogs. Like let's create some really cool swag that we send to them for their dog. So it's been like all around an awesome experience. And then I think in the product side, we're starting to see it more. So if people use an additional technology, right, we want to connect those people who are users of both of those platforms. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good way too. like, I, I think we've seen, um, we've started to notice, right. That exact point you can make, which is also like, how can you let partners come in and help provide value to the community as well? If there's if there's a really tight link between our product and another product, right? If, if we notice that there's um, a high propensity of our customers using both, how can we start to bring those people in and um, continue to curate that knowledge, even if it's not on our own direct platform, if, if it's on a partner's platform, how do we make sure and bridge that gap? Because I think in today's age and probably more so ever than moving forward, right? All these platforms need to connect and talk to something else. Like it's rare that you're ever going to have one platform that does everything. So the more that you can try and help um, eliminate friction for your customers as well to go find answers and try and get some of the insight that they need, then it's always going to look well upon your your brand as well. It's kind of another indirect benefit. I feel like you can get. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been working with our, pro with our partnerships team to uh, figure out like, what are those key softwares that we recommend? So if someone asks in the community, you know, do you guys know a platform for X? We have some recommendations. Uh, and we're also planning to have our partners come in as thought leaders and be able to share uh, their best practices and their ideas on certain industry processes. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Um, one thing you mentioned uh, earlier as well that I wanted to dive into a little bit is, uh, well, first, you've got some experience in the advocacy, kind of customer advocacy world, just from your your previous CSM role. Um, but I'm curious, you know, as you start thinking about community and cultivating these relationships and kind of being the extension within that customer success team, how have you thought about advocacy? Like, are you... Uh, right now, are you thinking like it's, it's a, uh, Hey, you can earn points and badges and things in the community, which is kind of the first part of advocacy. And then it kind of morphs and, um, you know, we have, uh, varying degrees or becomes a stair step. As you start to do more things, you get more, uh, benefits or access, you know, as you go along, like, how have you thought about kind of building some of the advocacy that you're hoping to get from your, your customers? Yeah, we want to have a more formalized program today. Our CSMs handle a lot of the advocacy asks, which is great because they have those great strong relationships with customers and they're able to, you know, make the right ask at the right time. Uh, but we're looking to be able to have really intelligent asks based on all the awesome data that we have on our customers and provide the right opportunities to them right at the right time. So I think that we're trying to think of a bigger program for our advocacy and also People are incentivized by different things, you know, intrinsically and extrinsically. Uh, some people just want swag and gift cards, and some people really want access to our product team to share a ton of feedback with them or get a sneak peek of the roadmap. So when I think of an advocacy program, I think you really have to capture each person's different motivators. So there will be a lot that you'll need to try to get in there. But I think, you know, if you can incentivize more people, you're going to drive more advocacy for your organization. Yeah, I think that's such a good point because I think the way I've seen advocacy done or, you know, sometimes I've been a part of advocacy programs is they kind of just blanket it for everybody, right? It's kind of like once you're an advocate or an MVP, like you all get swag around our annual conference or you get discounted tickets, which, you know, in some cases is nice and it's great, but you know, I always don't want to go to the annual conference. And so then it's kind of like, I get disheartened because it's like, well, I didn't really see that as a benefit because I wasn't going to go anyways. And, you know, now what do I do? So I think that is such a good point. Like how can you capture those motivators for those individual people? And then it's almost like you can create little subsections of people probably like if you have an MVP group or an advocacy or a customer advisory board or whatever that might be. Right. Um, as you start thinking about some of these intimate groups of people that you're bringing together, they still will have subtle differences about what, what they want as motivators. And if you can understand you can list out, you know, and have them stack rank those essentially and, and try and pick out the one or two that are important to them and then try and find those groups of people um, like such a valuable way. It takes a little bit of extra time and then, you know, but it creates such deeper connection. I think that's at the end of the day, like the, I don't know, I just feel like, you know, and a lot of times people just kind of blanket these things and it becomes kind of a, a spray and pray kind of a shotgun style approach, right. That, that people use. And so just take a little bit of extra time try and get a little bit more segmentation and kind of a deeper level of, um, of knowledge there. And I think you're going to create a deeper level of engagement, which probably at the end of the day drives more authenticity with your customer and will develop a, a deeper relationship over time. I totally agree. And I think that's something we're looking to work more on is creating some type of advocacy survey. So we can ask our customers, you know, what types of activities would you be interested in? You know, maybe some of our big logos can't do case studies, but they might hop on a bunch of reference calls for us and talk to someone privately. Um, and then some people might be looking to up their thought leadership. So they want to be on those webinars. They want to be featured in blogs. Like that's a really great opportunity for them, even though it's an advocacy ask for us. So I think it's really important to just ask your customers, you know, how, how often do you want to be involved in these things? Which types of things do you like doing? And then it becomes more personalized. Like if I said to you, I'd love to hop on, a podcast or a webinar, and then you gave me that opportunity, I'd be like, wow, Jeff, remember, like, that's really personalized to my journey. Yeah. 
Um, and I love that example too, because I, at the end of the day, think as well that um, sometimes we get a little too caught up in the logos itself, right? We, we think a little bit too much of the, um, like the big logos, which again, we need, we, it can help right uh, in the pipeline and whatnot. But I also think if you can find the people who are really interested in building their personal brand and like, you know, they see themselves as, um, you know, trying to make sure that they can give themselves as many opportunities across their career. Like those are the types of people that are awesome because you, you can get content out of them. You can, um, you know, they'll, they'll want to do webinars. They're kind of bringing stuff to you almost naturally, right? They're like, Hey, I developed, I developed a health scoring model and I thought it was really interesting. Like, what do you think of it? And like the more that you can, um, get those types of things as well, it's almost like you're getting inbound advocacy in a way, if you can turn some of those relationships in the right direction. And that, that to me again, is like, working smarter, not harder. Cause it's like, cool. I'm only one person. I can't go, you know, track down all the advocates and do all this stuff. Like how can I get more inbound activity to me? Like that's I, such a good insight uh, that you mentioned as well. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, like the big logos, they're great, right? Everyone loves to see a fancy logo up, but sometimes you might be better off going with a smaller organization that is a much better suited reference for that, that prospect. You know, they might have more in common in terms of industry size, the stage they are in their company. So the logo might not always be the best match just because it's, you know, a sexy logo to have up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, awesome. Well, I know we've, uh, we've talked for quite a bit here and getting towards the end. So maybe just like one more question um, that I'd love to throw out there, which is um, you mentioned that you would create a community yourself around baking. You spend a lot of time, a lot of your free time baking. So what, what's been the, like the number one thing that you have loved that you've baked over the last like 12 months, like during quarantine, like what, what did you, what do you think you baked the, the best? All right. I'm going to say two, but one is not for me. So one of them, a lemon tart, that was really good. I made the crust from scratch and the whole process. Ooh, so I think that was really good. Um, and then my dog Ryu has been really happy that I've been hand making, um, some dog treats for her and her friends. <laughs> so that's been a big win. That's funny. Yeah. We, uh, we have a good group of our friends here in Charleston and, uh, we have a thread and we were just talking about that the other day. Uh, we have a friend of ours who's getting really into baking too. And she's like, what are dog treats? And I was like, I'm sure all the dogs would love that. We have like seven dogs in our little friend group here. And, uh, <laughs> so I imagine all of them would be excited. Um, yeah, we've done, my wife and I have gotten really into, we, we enjoyed cooking before, but I think during the pandemic, it was just a really fun way to try and like, like you said, kind of get creative, get your mind off of work was to go kind of dive into a recipe or think about doing something different. So we've, we've been doing a lot of, um, like handmade pasta, which has been really fun. Ooh. So we've been doing a lot of Italian night, which is probably not good for, you know, my, my body figure, but <laughs> it's been, um, it's been really delicious. And I have figured out that, you know, if I can eat some pasta and like a nice piece of, uh, of bread, like <laughs> I'm happy as a clam, uh, but that's been fun for us to go do. Yeah. That sounds like a delicious hobby. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, awesome. Well, Kylie, if people want to find more of you, this is your, you know, I'll give you the chance to kind of, um, uh, you know, grow your own personal brand or whatever you want to shout out here. So, you know, uh, don't be, um, don't be bashful, you know, uh, where can people find you? Is it on LinkedIn? Is it Twitter? Uh, you know, do you push out content anywhere? Uh, give the people, you know, a place to find you. Yes. Yeah, so they can find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect and chat community advocacy and, and CS and all things. Awesome. Uh, well, I'm excited uh, to do this. And I think it'd be really fun if we did an episode like three or four months from now and kind of uh, highlighted topics like, you know, certain event styles that have worked well or content, um, how we've you know got content flowing. That's a, that's a big thing that um, we're going to work on. So I think it'd be fun to have a kind of a follow up to this uh, if we can make it happen. 
yeah, I would love to reconnect. Awesome. Cool. All righty. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.